most valuable commodity I know of is information. Wouldn't you agree? Wouldn't you agree? I got five dollars. This is a run to the left. How many tackles can one man break? <laughs> You're saying that humans need fantasy to make life bearable. Humans need fantasy to be human. My goodness, that was good. You guys are pros. The best. Relentless, refusing to give up. All right, hit that horn, babe. Let's dance. What is up, everybody? Welcome to the Fantasy Flex Podcast. For everyone clocking those late night DFS hours, this is our night shift episode for week number nine. Of course, we also have an early morning game this week, and it might just be a good one. Dolphins Chiefs overseas uh, will break down all three of those games. And if you haven't yet, be sure to check out our player projections episode at right now over on the Action Network podcast and our fantasy preview of the main slate. Right now on this channel, I'm your host, Chris Raybon, and I am joined by one of the most accurate fantasy football rankers in the game, Sean Kerner, the odds maker. Sean, what's going on? What's up? Yeah, this is going to be a, a fun week. I, I'm going to be in Palm Desert for a bachelor party uh, for one of my buddies, so uh going to be a bit limited in terms of content this weekend, but I'll be updating projections, especially Sunday morning, uh, and I will absolutely be watching this fantastic a Sunday morning game. I can't believe they're having this game 6.30 in the morning here. But yeah, th- this looks like a fun primetime slate for sure. Yeah, well, uh, definitely have fun. And uh, I think last time you were out, uh, they asked me to do like extra props. I think I went two and one and then swept on Convince Me. So nice. uh, hopefully I can hold it down for you again <laughs> and uh, make all your rabid uh, prop followers proud. I, I am <laughs> coming off that Roshan Johnson fade of a win and then got the there you go. Got the Lions uh, spread on, on Monday, so I'm on a little primetime winning streak here, so hopefully we can keep it going. You'll have but... to mix in some uh, tackles props for me. Yeah. I mean, you got you got the model going on there. I don't even have a, uh, a tackle I'm model building, yet. So. It's, I'm building the ship at well at sea. I don't know if it's a model quite yet, but I've been definitely, uh, you know, attacking those props. Give us, you know, something else. Some of these offensive, like some of the games, like all the props on the offensive side of the ball, I'm like, they all look good to me. Uh, so, you know, being able to look at defensive props have just, it's given additional opportunities to, you know, find some value, I think. Yeah, absolutely. That's kind of, that's the worst feeling when you're like looking for something and you can't <laughs> even find anything. Yeah. So, uh, now I like where your, uh, like where your head is at. And, uh, if you want more of that, uh, great, you know, mental thought process, be sure to check out our discord link in the episode yeah. description. Uh, I know Sean is on there chopping it up uh, a lot with, uh, with uh with the fans and and people following so uh be sure to check that out and let's get right into this Dolphins Chiefs game Chiefs favored by two and a half the total is 50 and a half so kind of sitting you know 51 is a key number for totals I believe right uh so yeah sitting yeah. right under right under there uh 9 30 a.m eastern this game will take place uh on NFL Network in Germany so we had a few London games now we're going uh, to Germany and, you know, could be potentially a preview of uh, an AFC playoff game, maybe even the AFC championship. You also have yeah. the Bills Bengals, which is uh, another one. So yeah. let's, uh, let's kind of dive in and we'll start with the luck rankings. No, you know, Kansas city has been mid- middle of the pack. Miami has been the eighth luckiest team, but no real edge as far as, as that goes. I think, you know, we're both, 
kind of expected, you know, points here. But I will say you know, Chiefs offense, Mahomes seems to be a little bit worried that other teams are going to try to copy what Denver did. But Miami, I mean, they, they, they haven't been a good team yet. They've kind of been you know, beating up on some bad teams. So with all of that said, what are you thinking for this game and who do you like best in the captain spot? Yeah, no, it's it's going to be a close game, uh, probably high scoring. I, I think that, you know, Mahomes was definitely under the weather last week. I think that might have had a lot to do with his struggles. So uh, for the captain slot, uh, I'm going with his number one target here. I'm going with Travis Kelsey. Um, you know, he, he still had a good game, even though uh, Mahomes was struggling. But, you know, if Mahomes bounces back with a big game here, you know, it's going to be Travis Kelsey who probably will have the captain-worthy game. Uh, plus, you know, the Dolphins have struggled as a defense. Uh, they rank fifth worst in DVOA against tight ends. I-, I can't imagine them really coming up with a way to slow down Kelsey here. So uh, while he might be chalky, I don't care. There- there's a ton of good options to use in the captain slot here. So I don't think his roster ship will be like insanely high here. Uh, but I do like going with Kelsey in the captain slot for this game. Well, if you're going to go with Mahomes' number one target, I'm going to go with Mahomes' <laughs> number one target of... Points over the last few years, and that's Tyreek Hill in a revenge game. I think it's 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 interesting because I think paying up in the captain spot is something that it's not going to be as common as it is in mm. you know like a Steelers Titans game where you can afford everyone. So I think the key will be kind of building some unique lineups around yeah. you know the one or two guys that you really like, the one or two studs you really like, because this is one of those type of. Uh, of slates where there's a lot of expensive players and, and whatnot but just because there's a lot of expensive players doesn't mean you should fade you know guys the guy capable of just breaking the slate and, and I think Ty, <laughs> you know Kelsey and Tyreek are those two guys I mean Tyreek has been unreal he has at least one touchdown in seven of his eight games fastest ever to a thousand receiving yards already got it after eight he's played a whole season in eight <laughs> games he has <laughs> Like it's 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 just absurd, and while this Chiefs defense has been playing well, they do have some some good corners, and you know Steve Spagnuolo is a good coordinator. It really hasn't mattered with Tyreek this year. I mean, he's gone off against everyone. The only bad game he had was Buffalo, three catches for fifty eight yards. He had he's had a hundred or more receiving yards and a touchdown in five of eight games. 88 yards and a touchdown on 11 catches uh, in another game. And then uh, relatively quiet five catch, 40 yard, uh, one touchdown game against a Patriots defense that specifically looks mm-hmm. to take away number one receivers. And then the second time he played the Patriots over a hundred uh, and a tutty as well. So uh, he's matchup proof. He's out for revenge and this Chiefs offense, regardless of how they looked in tough divisional matchups against Denver, where you know weird things happen, I think the Chiefs will be able to bounce back. You you have seen Mahomes what he throw for over four hundred just two weeks ago against the bad Charger D, and you know Dolphins should be better now with getting you know Ramsey back in that secondary. So, but uh, to your point, I think you know lean on Kelsey here, and that should be that should mean good things for Tyreek correlated as well. So. Uh, what are you doing for uh, value? Yeah, so for value, um, I'm going to actually go with the Chiefs' clear number one wide receiver right now, and that is Rasheed Rice. 
you know, MBS, Justin Watson, Sky Moore are just out there running wind sprints, it seems. And then Kadarius Tony, who typically sees targets when he's on the field, uh, has been pretty much phased out at this point. Uh, the one player I think could start eating in the Rice's usage going forward could be Mikul Hardman. But again, he's being eased back in. I don't think he's a real threat here. Uh, so, you know, I love using Rice in this game. Uh, four straight games now of four more receptions. This should be a very pass-heavy game script for the Chiefs. One where they might be trailing at some point. So uh, I like going with uh, Rasheed Rice here. Yeah, you know, and he's he's left some meat on the bone. I mean, really mm. all the uh, yeah. receivers have – but uh, you know some some key drop passes. But Mahomes says, "Hey, I'm going to keep uh, keep going back to him." So you know, I think uh, I think he's clearly the wide receiver to invest in in this Chiefs offense. That I mean, that's probably what they're missing. That's probably really what's yep. you know the re- a lot of the reason behind Mahomes' struggles. I mean, you taking more you know taking sacks at weird times, yeah. and just kind of trying to hang in that pocket. Uh, waiting for somebody to get open if it's if it's not Kelsey. So you know who they um, could use at wide receiver right now, Tyreek Hill. Hell yeah! <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, okay, for value. So I mentioned you're gonna have to go off the board a little here. So you know what? I was I was gonna talk Pacheco, but he's a little he's gonna be a little too expensive. So I'm gonna go with Jeff Wilson Jr. for value here because. I do think Miami is still going to have a lot of respect for Patrick Mahomes. Uh, McDaniel's probably going to say, okay, when we're not throwing to Tyreek and, and, you know, Moster and and Waddle, uh, probably still want to, you know, have some run plays. And the thing about Wilson is he's been kind of eased back in and, you know, hasn't really had a big game and probably won't because A-chan's coming back soon, but he had five, yeah, five carries in the last game after having none in the first game. He just played mostly on passing downs, didn't get a carry. But he's been used in short yardage and kind of the the backup early down back. So you know, Miami's an underdog, so it could be a little, I mean, small underdog, but it could be a little bit contrarian here, you know, kind of playing a positive Miami game script. And Wilson could get some goal line looks. He could get some short yardage looks here. and. You know, Savon Ahmed will probably play more on passing down. So, you know, kind of a off the board, the Clyde Edwards-Elair almost of the uh, of the Dolphins, and everyone's expecting you know this close game, high score, and a lot of passes. But if things go to opposite, you know, you got to tell that story. How are you going to get a unique lineup? Well, maybe the Chiefs do keep struggling. Maybe you know Vic Fangio, who's a very good defensive coordinator, who by the way spent. Uh, time coaching the Denver Broncos that just slowed down Mahomes twice in three weeks. Mm. So if anyone could kind of understand how to transfer part of that scheme over, it's Vic Fangio. So I think Jeff Wilson is going to fly a little bit under the radar because he's come back, hasn't really done much. Not, you know, he's not like a fast guy like most or HN. So no one's really thinking about him, but five carries last week, maybe even some short yardage. And uh, also, you know, some leverage if Mostert gets hurt or, you know, everyone's probably going to just try to catch lightning in a bottle with all the different, you know, cheap receiving options in it. You know, the Chiefs have a bunch, like six or seven. And then, yeah. you know, the Dolphins, everyone not named Hill or Waddle, you know, Braxton Berrios, Wilson caught a touchdown last, uh, Cedric, that is. Uh, you still got Quaypool, maybe Craycraft is back. Got to uh, watch if he gets activated. 
but uh, yeah, I'm going to go off the board with, with Jeff Wilson here. I like it. I was hoping you'd use him as a dart throw because uh, then I would bet on his anytime touchdown, uh, <laughs> which we've seen to like anytime we have a, a dart throw, they seem to score a touchdown. So I think that Wilson, well, you know, Mostert's probably the favorite to lead the league yeah. in rushing touchdowns right now. Wilson could definitely like vulture him here. So he's definitely worth a flyer. All right, uh, who do you, who do you like for dark throws? Oh yeah, so I'm I'm just going way off the board here. I think for this game, you kind of have to. Uh, if you get a guy like this to hit, um, you know, you'll have a better shot of taking down one of these GPPs. So I'm going with River Craycraft, who you just mentioned, who could be returning from the IR. I think he is. Um, and if you recall, like by week three this year, he was really pushing uh, Braxton Berrios to be the number three wide receiver. Um, so, you know, if he returns, uh, I think he'd be the number four receiver. I could see him pushing out either Cedric Wilson and, or Chase Claypool, uh, from the wide receiver rotation. So, you know, he could run around on 30 to 40% of Tua's dropbacks and, and, you know, what could be a pass heavy game script. Uh, you know, he could do some damage there. Plus Durham Smythe might be a bit limited, (laughs) you know, which could open up like one target for everybody else. Uh, so it's worth mentioning, but you know, Craycraft, I, I doubt his roster ship will be really anything. Um, so he, I think he's kind of, kind of guy that has vulture touchdown potential, could sneak in a couple catches. So uh, for this game, I like going completely off the board and going Craycraft here, if he is activated, of course. Yeah, no, I, I that's why I mentioned I didn't even know you were going to go with him, but I think he's the perfect kind of play for this slate where, you know, there are just so many options and the guy coming back off IR – uh, or yeah, IR yeah. is not really top of mind for <laughs> anyone. So I uh, love that one. Jarek McKinnon. So again, when you build these lineups, you got to try to tell stories and yeah. how do, okay, how do we arrive at this unique uh, combination of players being the six, five or six, whichever, depending on what site you're playing on optimal players to have in your lineup. And I already talked about, Hey, maybe, you know, it's, this could be a another sluggish game for for the Chiefs, and you play some some Jeff Wilson in the Miami running game, kind of gets going, and that's the way they they try to to take down a good team is by you know limiting up the opposing offense because you know Josh Allen and the Bills put up what forty plus on them. Uh, the Eagles were able to get to thirty plus and could have had another score at the end, but they kneeled kneeled it out. So uh, you could get a run heavy plan for the Dolphins, and on the other side of that, I think. That would lead, you know, a trailing Chiefs game script at some point. And I was down on this guy heading into the year. And uh, thank goodness, because <laughs> I would have been pissed if I spent like a top 40 running back pick on him. And that's Jarrett McKinnon. But this is the perfect type of game for a Jarrett McKinnon blow up. And we know it, you know, when he blows up, it's usually multi touchdowns, like designed plays for him. Uh, so I-, I like the chances of that happening. This is one of the best, if not the best offenses in the week. So uh, another team that could put the Chiefs in a hole. And if you think about narratives and Chiefs, this happens every, usually at some point during every season, I would say recently that the Chiefs offense hits a little funk. And mm. what happened last year to really break the Chiefs offense out of out of a little bit of a funk? Jarrett McKinnon just started going ham. I think he had that streak from like what weeks, weeks like eight through 15, where he scored like nine touchdowns in six, yeah. six or seven games, a touchdown in every single game, pretty much. So I think they're going to say, okay, you know, our wide receivers are struggling. 
they they lack experience. They're not playing well. You know, everyone's ready for Kelsey. He's going to get his, but we need some more support. Who can, you know, kind of make some explosive plays for us? And I think that's still Jarrett McKinnon. So I think maybe, you know, you take him out of some of those pass blocking responsibilities that he's usually uh, on the field for. And you maybe draw up some screen passes for him. Maybe you draw up some plays in a red zone for him. Maybe you hand him the ball more than just one or two times a game. So that that was something that definitely worked around this time for Kansas City last season. And with the disappointing season that he's had, another player that I don't think will be super, super popular uh, on this slate. Again, just so, so, so many options. And, you know, McKinnon has been eating into Edwards Elaire's usage a little bit you know Edwards he wears kind of the mop-up Craig Reynolds type of a uh, back so um you know another you know dart throw if you think this game could get out of hand but um I like McKinnon you know to kind of play the angle of maybe the Chiefs struggle with their wide receivers again which everyone's gonna have a smattering of so give me some yep. McKinnon definitely worth a dart throw and definitely worth a anytime touchdown dart throw too yeah or or, <laughs> or even multi-touchdown too because that's like Ooh, i said yeah when he, does, when he gets one touchdown two, a lot of times he gets two, two touchdowns in week three that's it for him right <laughs> uh <laughs> i mean it, it might already be it for the way his season's going but <laughs> yeah I, I just need you to hit this dark throw Jared. come on <laughs> all right let's go to sunday night another mark two yeah. game bills at the Bengals. Bengals by two and a half on the spread so that was on the key number of three, must books must have yeah. took some uh, uh, some some sharp uh, money on the bills to get off that three, uh, and it's back to two and a half. The total is uh, in the forty seven forty eight range. This game, of course, eight twenty Eastern on NBC, and the Bengals have been the second luckiest team in our luck rankings. The Bills are twenty four, so there is a somewhat significant edge. Uh, you know, twenty two in terms of the differential and a 26.5% gap. So that is the second best luck matchup of week number nine is the Buffalo Bills. So, hey, maybe that's maybe somebody's looking at those luck rankings and uh, that's <laughs> yeah, why this number hopefully. went to two and a half. But you also have uh, luck total. That's the second best over in terms of value mm-hmm. because you know Buffalo has scored three and a half expected points per game below what you'd ex- uh, below expected and then Cincinnati just over five points below expected so we got a, a luck total that's uh that's pretty high here as well so could see some points and yep. uh favoring the underdog Buffalo Bills uh, but with that being said uh, it looks like you like kind of the the Cincinnati lead game script uh for your cat Yeah, so I'm going with Joe Mixon here. Um, you know, he certainly isn't the optimal play in terms of medium projections, uh, but I, I think he could be underowned at least in the captain slot. Uh, I know you and I are both high on him in our rankings. You know, borderline top five back this week. Uh, so I think he he provides nice leverage against the passing game. I think most people are going to use the receivers in this game in the captain slot. Uh, so I'm going to go with him here. He. He's coming off a great game against the Niners. I think he specifically is going to benefit from Joe Burrow looking closer to 100%. Um, you know, the the way this offense goes, you know, if they're scoring more points, that's going to benefit Mixon. Um, and this is, you know, a tough matchup on paper against the Bills. 
But, you know, their defense lost some key players. Uh, Daquan Jones and Matt Milano are on IR. And they've been vulnerable against, you know, running backs. They've allowed the third highest rate of explosive runs or runs over 10 more yards. So this is a good spot for Mixon. So I think uh, using him in the captain slot could be sneaky. I don't think his roster ship will be too high here. Uh, so I like going with Mixon here. Yeah, I have Mixon as the RB4 to to open. I had him oh. as the RB4 to open the week. So yeah, he's going to be one of the, the, my top ranked backs nice. this week. Just getting pretty much every backfield carry, uh, still getting most of the passing down work. And oh. this offense... The better this offense played, the more it benefits Mixon because he gets, as you said, you know, more more scoring chances. So um, I I was gonna go Jamar Chase in a captain spot, but this is another one of these slates. We got a lot of expensive players. Uh, I like kind of going a little bit uh, down with uh, your your Mixon call. So I am going to go instead of Chase. Uh, I'm gonna go and instead of Josh Allen. And instead oh, of Tom Higgs, Quentin Morris, <laughs> Reggie Gilliam, nah. uh, Joe Burrow, Ooh, Joe Burrow. There we go. So you know what we saw out of Joe Burrow last week that was a little bit eyebrow raising. He ran six times for forty three yards, wow. including calling his own number uh, on one play, and I think he picked up you know eight or nine yards on like a draw draw play. So Joe Burrow can kind of give you a poor man's josh allen type of rushing performance remember he had five rushing touchdowns last year so it's not out of the question and if you can catch like a burrow rushing touchdown lightning in a bottle mm. which is certainly possible yeah. then you know he could be the optimal play in the captain's spot because he's probably still gonna have to put up yardage but then you know you're not gonna have to spend up quite as much on like chase and remember the bills also just acquired rasul douglas a very good corner from the Green Bay Packers. Mm. So that makes it a little bit tougher uh, for guys like, uh, for, for those wide receivers. So you know Burrow is going to find a way. He, he looks great. He just uh, you know put up 30-plus against a very good Niner defense and, and could have had more, but they had some some turnovers in the uh, in the red zone. So, uh, you know, 28-32 passing for Burrow last week and then the six uh, carries for 43 yards, I, I think is very promising. So, Shouldn't be super popular, but if you get a rushing touchdown, you're a business uh, from Burrow. Yeah. So I'll go with him in the cap spot. Who you like for value? Yeah, I, I definitely like the Burrow call there. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, his number two wide receiver and T Higgins, uh, who really hasn't had a big game since week two, uh, but it's definitely coming. I promise. Um, you know, he, he was banged up. Burrow was banged up, obviously. So uh, it's been a rough several weeks for T Higgins um, was potentially on the trade block. So with the, you know, the trade deadlines passed, he's still in Cincinnati. Maybe that helps in some way. I don't know, but uh, I like the idea of buying low on him here, especially with Burrow looking much, much closer to hundred percent. Higgins is one of those guys that has had a ton of unrealized air yards. Uh, you know, there was one game, he had a shit ton of targets and he had, I think zero catches. So anytime I could buy low on T Higgins, I'm going to do it. Uh, so I'm doing that here. Yeah, you know, you had Tower Boyd get a touchdown. Who was it? Mm. Yosevash, I believe, got a touchdown oh, yeah. as well. Yeah, he looks so, good for you know yep, next yep. season and beyond. But <laughs> yep. another reason why I also like Burrow in a captain spot, like if he throws, let's say he runs for a touchdown and throws to one for like Yosevash, you, you don't need him yeah. in a captain spot. So just like unique combinations. Um, and then, yeah, Higgins, you could kind of 
uh, include him instead of you know paying all the way up for Chase because you know he kind of is due compared to Chase <laughs> who went ham and then Boyd who got a touchdown. So yeah, I like it. I like it. Uh, I got to go back to a guy that I loved last week because he was the only active tight end <laughs> for the Bills, and that's Dalton Kincaid had his breakout uh, game that we kind of all expected, and now he's getting a Bengals defense that ranks 29th in DVOA uh, against the tight end position. And, you know, you, you still have to worry about Josh Allen, who's playing a little freer now. Uh, they're going up tempo. You still got Diggs to worry about. You still got Gabe Davis to worry about. So uh, Kincaid is still, and that's why they drafted him, you know, early on in, in that draft this year, because he's a guy who you can't account for everybody, right? So I, I think that Kincaid is in line for a potential another Big game here after going eight catches, 75 yards in week seven, and then five for 65 and a touchdown. And I believe he also got another end zone target that uh, was incomplete. Mm. So could, he, could have had an even bigger day, uh, could have Dalton Kincaid. So, uh, you know, love Diggs, love Davis. But, I again, I think, you know, with all the studs on this, on this, in this type of matchup, I think you got to find a little bit of value with, with these mid-tier guys. So, you know, there is the potential for Kincaid to be the highest scoring Bills receiver uh, on this slate. So love, uh, love Kincaid. Yeah, poor uh, Joel Wilson. I thought they were going to elevate him, but they just decided to go with one tight end. Screw it. Uh, I, I think that obviously Kincaid's a great call, but, um, you know, Khalil Shakir went off because they can't use two tight end sets when you only have one tight end. Um, so, you know, he ran a rep. Uh, he ran a 72% routes run rate. So again, if uh, I don't even if Joel Wilson's active, I think Shakir and Kincaid are both you know benefiting a ton from Dawson Knox being out. Yeah, I noticed that. Like when when uh, I think when Knox was out, they used Sherfield more. But when hmm. no, when, when no, when Knox was out, they used uh, what's his uh, uh, Shakir more. And then yeah. when Kinc- that one game Kincaid was out, I think they used Sherfield, I want to say it was, oh. more. So, yeah, like it's, it's been like a direct correlation with, um, you know, using more 1-1 personnel uh, in this spot. But, you know, Shakir, obviously, after posting 92 yards, yeah, unfortunately, you know, going to be a little <laughs> more popular than, than yeah. we probably want for yeah. for a, uh, a dark throw. Though he's certainly, you know, in play is just, you know, value option uh, regardless. But. Uh, who, do you, who do you like for, for a dark throw? Do you like darts, Ted? Oh, okay. I'm more of a, you know, a cornhole man myself. Yeah. Uh, I'm going with Latavius Murray here. You know, he's coming off a couple duds, but, you know, it's not like we're expecting much from him anyway. Uh, but he's always, you know, a threat to get like a vulture touchdown or a few receptions. They've been kind of uh, mixing and matching sort of how they use uh, James Cook and Latavius Murray now. You know, he obviously won't be an option if they do uh, activate Leonard Fournette, who is now on the practice squad. So that's something to monitor. Uh, Leonard Fournette himself might be a dart throw. But, you know, if if they decide to stick with James Cook and Latavius Murray for one more week, uh, you know, I think Murray is is going to be a decent dart throw here. Yeah, no, it's perfect time to buy. Like, you know, just when his job looks like it's in jeopardy, but you could ha- he could play in the, in the hurry up, the two minute the goal line, like pretty much every valuable fantasy situation Latavius Murray plays in. And, you know, talk about this going into the year, you know, Damian Harris was just, everyone just kind of assumed he was going to have that same role he had (laughs) as like the one, what was he, 1A at one point, and then the 1B in in that Mm -hmm. Patriot backfield. And he 
been the queer, you know, the, to be really. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So this year, uh, but until Harris, you know, went down with that unfortunate injury. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I think you love buying in a situation like this when everyone's kind of uh, looking at him as if he's got one foot kind of out the door in terms of, of usage goes. All right. Uh, for my dart though, I'm actually, I just mentioned him. So let's go with uh, Yosef Ash because, mm-hmm. you know, this is a game that could be a shootout and Cincinnati will go five, four, four wide and five wide. Uh, that's something Cincinnati would do. And, you know, Irv Smith, I think is an interesting one too, but, you know, because he's had some struggles, I think he had a fumble, a couple drops, but Yosef Ash is going to be, uh, I think still an unknown to people, even though he's caught a touchdown in back-to-back weeks. So he caught a touchdown going into the bye, caught a touchdown coming out of the bye. <laughs> so he has three NFL catches in his career, two are for touchdowns. He has one catch in the, each in the last three weeks. And so he's clearly starting to see his role grow. Always Remember, always look for these rookies, especially coming out of the bye or, you know, even sometimes, you know, 10-day rest coming off like a Thursday game. Things like that. So, you know, Trenton Irwin is a the number four wide receiver for now and, you know, long-time mainstay on the practice squad and worked his way uh, into the lineup. But Yosevash was a guy they drafted this year, 6'3", 212, 4'4", speed out of Princeton. And, uh, you know, day three pick who could be a guy who finds himself singled up because the Bills – they traded for Douglas, but got to worry about Chase Higgins, uh, uh, Boyd now after after last week. So, you know, on the priority list, Yosevash always going to be dead last when he's out there. And I think that's why he's been able to catch these red zone touchdowns. He looks like he's a part of that red zone package mm. at 6-3-2-12 because, you know, three-yard touchdown in week six, two-yard touchdown in week eight. So, if you want a sneaky anytime touchdown bet, uh, we'll see. I think Lightning can strike three times in a row. And remember, the luck rankings highly favor an over mm-hmm. in this spot. So uh, you have that's that's what's beneficial either for five wide or just you know red zone opportunities. So going to go with uh, the rookie Andre Yosevash. Yeah, I like it. He uh, he tore up preseason and. You know, if they if they do decide to move on from Higgins, he could be the guy that takes over. Yeah, what's the other dude? That's uh, uh Charlie Jones, who's Charlie Jones. punts, but he's on the he's been on the IR. Yeah, so he has a torn labrum. Yeah, this is basically a red shirt year for him. Yep. But uh, let's see, what were Yosef Ash's? Yeah, because I remember him tearing up the preseason. Uh, yeah, twelve catches for 129 and a touch, 27 targets on. 82 routes. Oh, wow. Yeah, I didn't yeah, realize the, he was getting targeted that much. His, his props were like in the 40s. Uh, anything over 20 uh, receiving yards for a preseason prop is uh, borderline elite. But you know, 40, he was getting like 40 and a half as his uh, prop. It was yeah, unreal. I think the upside with a guy like this, or a rookie like this, is he already has like a fantasy-friendly dart throw role. You know, just reds that big red zone mm-hmm. threat from a good quarterback. But there is at least a puncher's chance that he's you know doing enough in practice to perhaps overtake Irwin even if it's just for a few snaps and you know that could be very yeah. valuable when you're talking about a guy you know near min price so and yeah, if, going, uh, if any of the top three receivers get banged up in the game obviously you don't want to root for that 
he, he would probably be the one to step up if it were Higgins or Chase were to ever miss time. Uh, maybe Irwin would step in for Boyd. I, I don't really know how that would work out, but uh, he does have some upside this year if any of those three receivers do miss time. All right, that is game number two. So let's wrap it with not quite as much of a potential <laughs> playoff for you, but hey, you never know in the, right. you know, in the, in the NFL. The Jets playing good defense. The Chargers have a, you know kind of been underachieving and have had a tough schedule. Yeah. So uh, again, you never know. But <laughs> Chargers, Jets, Jets are underdogs by... Uh, three, the total 41 and a half. Could see some rain yet again at MetLife Stadium. Charges going cross country after a resounding victory over the Bears. At least they, you know, finally they don't charge it because I was a little worried. I, I didn't end up <laughs> taking a side in that game, but I was just like, I, you know, I knew the charges are probably the right side, but, you know, right. I, I wasn't going to ever take them and, the Bears have been kind of frisky, but now now this Jets team's kind of in that same boat, right? You know, come from behind win last week. Uh, Zach Wilson, somebody was like, ah, shades of Aaron Rodgers. So it's it's a weird time to be a Jets fan, I guess. Uh, <laughs> but in terms of luck rankings, both of these teams have been luck- lucky, both in the top 12, the Jets 6, the Chargers 12. Uh, so no edge there, but who do you like in the captain spot? I'm going with Garrett Wilson here. Um, you know, he's he's finally ha- showing some chemistry with Zach Wilson. Uh, you know, back-to-back games of uh, seven or more receptions, 90 or more receiving yards. Um, and, you know, the Chargers are a great matchup. They, they've allowed the most fancy points to opposing quarterbacks. So that's kind of why I was higher on Zach Wilson uh, this week, who's inside my top 20. Uh, so I, I just love the upside of the Wilson to Wilson stack here. Uh, with Garrett uh, being my captain selection. Yeah, and you would expect the Chargers to be able to build a lead here, though, you know, again, who knows, but yeah. that would that would obviously be good for the game script. And the Jets' receiving core is low-key a little bit, a little bit decimated. I mean, you had, what, Cobb was hurt, and then Gibson got hurt, and Irv Charles as well, so... You know, they were playing Malik Taylor by the end of that game last week. I think he drew a key pass interference on a very disappointing, I must say, Adoree Jackson this year. Yeah. I mean, he, I mean, Tay, who, you know, Tay Banks has been everything as a Giants fan that we've hoped for. And, and Adoree Jackson's just been such – him and Dayball, I think, might be the two most disappointing uh, Giants this year. But I digress. Uh, I got to go to Austin Eckler in this spot. I think the Chargers – Got back to the bread and butter. Remember, this is a new offensive coordinator in Kellen Moore. Herbert's dealing with an injury to his finger, so he's falling weird. And, you know, the line hasn't been fully healthy. Eckler hasn't been fully healthy. But I think you saw them kind of get back to, you know, what's kind of worked for them in the past, and that's throwing the football to Austin Eckler. He had 100 yards at one point, and then I think he had a six-yard loss, so he finished <laughs> with 94. Hope anyone, hope no one took, like, a, you know, 100-yard-plus <laughs> prop over or or had, like, you know, I'm sure people had him in the bonus in, in DK, and then he, you know, lost the yeah. three. But either way, he had a season-high 22 touches last week against the Bears. And the good news under Kellen Moore is that Eckler seems to be getting a, a few more carries 
Uh, they're comfortable. He's comfortable giving Eckler a few more carries than Eckler was getting under previous regimes. Eckler's previous career high in carries was 12.9 per game. That was in 2021. Last year, an even 12 per game. But this year, he's averaging uh, just under 15 carries per game, and he's at at least 14 in every game, in all four games he's played. So, uh, you know, he's running the ball, getting some volume there, even though it hasn't always been uh, efficient. And then I do think they throw him the ball a ton in this spot. You know, really tough matchup going against Sauce Gardner, DJ Reed, both ranked top 12 in, in PFF grades on the perimeter. Keenan Allen should get his, but I think if the Chargers can help it, they're going to to you know feed Eckler and make life easy on Herbert and you know not try to really get too cute here facing Zach Wilson on the other side that could end up you know giving away the game at any given at any moment. Yeah. So I think this is going to be an, a monster game for Eckler. So I'm fine paying up for him uh, in in this uh, cap spot. All right, who do you like for value? Yeah, so I'm going with the other running back here, uh, Brees Hall. Uh, you know, he he appears to be closer to 100%. We kind of talked about that uh, going into the season. Like, don't be shocked if he gets off to a slow start. Uh, but, yeah, he they, they're starting to use him as more of a workhorse back. Um, last week, he did struggle on the ground, which is disappointing uh, against the Giants. But, you know, he thrived as a pass catcher. He had that 50-yard touchdown catch and run. Um, this is a great matchup for him, both on the run and the pass game against the Chargers, who allow a ton of big plays. So I can see him having a big game here. And honestly, like he's definitely worth consideration in the captain slot. He has that sort of upside. Um, that's where he might be rostered a little bit lower than he should be. So uh, I, I like going with Brees Hall here. Yeah, you know, Brees is finally starting to really kick it into gear. You could just see some of that explosiveness mm-hmm. on a, a bit more of a consistent basis and you know, finally separating in terms of the usage from yeah. Dalvin Cook, who's been just a, a zero pretty much for the Jets. <laughs> uh, as of most of these veteran uh, addition skill players, you know, frankly, no. uh, whether it's due to injury or just – you know, Rodgers not being there and them being former Packers or whatever it is. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I like Brees. I think he's looked great. Uh, I am going on this slate again. It's tough to go with Charger perimeter receivers, especially Palmer would be usually that kind of the go-to guy. Um, you know, it, some you don't. It's hard to to know on a week-to-week basis which Charger backup running back, whether it's going to be Kelly or Spiller. Usually, it's Kelly, but. Um, just hasn't been great on the ground. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to try to exploit this weak charger pass defense. Mm. We, and at the same time, get some leverage on some other guys that, you know, are going to be popular, namely uh, Garrett Wilson and, and Brees Hall and go with Alan Lazard, who has been relatively quiet this year, but, you know, love Garrett Wilson, but he's going to be super popular on this slate and Lazard had a season high six targets last week and he's been you know fairly consistent he has three plus catches in four of the last five games so you know the Jets aren't passing a ton but this this Charger team is one that you know they're at least capable of putting some points on the board or you know maybe Wilson reverts to you know his past self and start turning it over again either way I do think this could be a game where you know a guy like Lazard and the Jets could have to throw a little more than you know they did against 
the Giants and Tommy DeVito didn't uh, <laughs> well, they not throw a pass all the second half and yeah. uh, they played the Broncos and uh, when when Lazard played a team with a good offense a few weeks ago and that was the Kansas City Chiefs three catches 61 yards and a touchdown his best game of the year from a fantasy perspective so I think I'm gonna kind of hang my head on that and see if I can get some leverage and you mentioned it Zach Wilson has been playing better so mm-hmm. you know perhaps we get a, another Lazard game and we know Lazard is capable of putting up those wide receiver one type numbers you know maybe he's not capable of doing it consistently without Aaron Rodgers but he's definitely capable of doing it and that's what you need for a one game slate and I don't think it'll be overly popular but uh should be on a field 85 90 percent uh, of the pass plays yeah I mean it, it sounds gross but you got to do it on these slates they, they need somebody to step up uh beyond Garrett Wilson so yeah would not be shocked if Lazard ends up heating up like he said season high uh six targets last week so can only get up go up from here yeah he's been super quiet I think yeah I believe uh most people had him ranked like inside the top 50 uh in full season rankings but uh I mean obviously no one knew Rogers would get hurt but yeah it's been a quiet year quiet year for for Mr. Lazard but uh where are you going for a dart throw y'all take your darts over here pretty seriously huh uh, I'm going with a rookie here. Uh, I'm going with Quentin Johnston. Um, you know, last week it was kind of brutal. Like everybody on Twitter was saying, you know, he's already a bust. <laughs> I was saying that was absolutely ridiculous. Um, he's a bit of a project. Like of the uh, four, I think there was four receivers drafted in the first round. He, he's definitely the least likely to break out as a rookie. He's Still raw. He, he has a ton of upside, though. He probably has the most upside from, like, a physical perspective. Um, but So he was thrust into action just because, you know, Mike Wilson's out for the season. So he was going to struggle mightily off the bat. But, you know, he is starting to show some signs of life. He had a five-catch for 50-yard game on Sunday night. Um, I think he benefited maybe from Palmer being less than 100%. And, you know, Gerald Everett was out. Uh, but he's the type of player where he's he's only going to get better. Uh, so I think he's worth a dart throw here. Um, again, I, I think he's going to be inconsistent this year. I think it might take him a couple years to really hit his stride, but uh, I'm not giving up on him. He still has a ton of upside. So like, you know, taking swings on him on these uh, single game slates. Yeah, absolutely. And again, this time of year, especially your know, ch- uh, Chargers already had their buy. You're going to see a few rookies start their breakout right around this type of year, time of year. And there's going to be some guys who have already broken out. There's going to be some guys that you kind of expect, like, you know, Kincaid has been pretty, uh, fairly predictable, I, I would say, you know, and all good so far over these last couple of weeks. But, you know, Johnston, he, he's going to catch people by surprise, I think, uh, you know, to your mm. point when he does. Yeah. So, yeah, I think, uh, I think definitely a guy to invest in. All right, for my dart throw, really – I want to go with the entire position group here. So kind of going along the lines of want to, want to try to fade Palmer, uh, like mm. Eckler, Allen, you know, we already know what we're doing. You know, we already know, you already know what you're getting out of Allen. Uh, but, you know, even, I mean, with the, the way the Jets cornerbacks, the quality of their cornerbacks, I mean, even he, you know, may mm. have a under, under expectation game. So, you know, where can I kind of find some value? I think it's to your point, this jet passing game with, Zach Wilson looking a little better than we've grown accustomed to. So uh, Lazard kind of in the mid range. And then I think the Jets tight ends in, in this dart throw range, all three of them, I think have, you know, there's, you, you could kind of 
hang your hat on. You could get behind playing them for different reasons. So first of all, this Charger defense is allowing the most schedule-adjusted yards per game to the tight end position uh, per FTN at 68.1. And we've seen some monster games by opposing tight ends against the Chargers. Obviously, Kelsey with you know 12 for 179, but you also saw uh, Cole Komet the next week go for 10 for 79. So you had, in back in the last two games, the Chargers have given up a double-digit catch game to a tight end. You know, Hawkinson also got eight catches, which we know Hawkinson's great, but that's still, you know, he's not catching eight balls every single game. Uh, Chig had four. Even Durham Smythe had seven targets and and 44 (laughs) yards against the Chargers. So Tyra Conklin is the most obvious uh, play here, and I'm sure he won't be super popular because he hasn't done, uh, you know, much in terms of, you know, scoring touchdowns, but he does have three games with at least 50 yards receiving this year. Uh, week two, five for 50 uh, against the Cowboys. Week four, four for 58 against the Chiefs. And then week five, four for 67 against the Denver Broncos. He's also coming off his first goose egg of the year. So always like to invest in guys, you know, coming off those uh, season low performances expecting a bounce back, you know, maybe even sometimes the coaches take note of it and, and, and you know, script something for them in the, in the first 15. So Conklin's the obvious one, but I'll also mention, you know, Uzoma and Ruckert because those guys are starting to mix in more with the Jets using heavier personnel a little more over these past few weeks. So uh, CJ Uzoma runs around about 30% of the time. And then Ruckert, the rookie, he's had a, 23% route rate or greater in three of the last four games. And, you know, prior to that, he was getting like one route per game, one pass snap per game, mostly, you know, used as a blocker and on special teams. So I think, you know, Conklin, Uzoma, and Rucker, great ways to get leverage on Garrett Wilson, who's going to be so popular because he's rightfully so a target hog. So, you know, if any one of these guys catches a touchdown or Wilson gets banged up or, you know, just normal game you know script things happen and, and Wilson doesn't blow up uh it's very possible that the Jets are still going to need to to complete passes to somebody and I think all three of these guys against this Charger defense that's given up high volume games to that position uh are definitely in play and a lot of people will look to target the Jets defense with tight ends because their corners are so good so you know whether it's Everett or Parham I think those guys will both be a lot more popular than Conklin uh Uzoma and, and mm-hmm. Ruckert so Going with three dart throws here, but I, I'm going to have lineups with all combinations of yeah. of all of those guys, or at least you know one probably in 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 a lot of my lineups because I just think uh, those are the guys that are kind of going to be you know give you the highest chance to ownership versus uh, upside to uh, to potentially take down GPP. That is going to do it again. Great uh, great slate of games this week. Be sure to check out the full list of luck rankings uh, for more great fantasy content from Sean and I. Check out our full player projections episode that's out over on the action network podcast channel our fantasy preview episode is out right here on the fantasy flex channel that's where we break down the main slate actionnetwork.com for all of our nfl fantasy and betting content fantasylabs.com for our dfs tools and models 
Don't forget to check out the Discord. Link in the description. Sean's on X at the underscore oddsmaker. I'm at Chris Raybon. And we're at those same handles on the free award-winning Action Network app. Until next time, let's get this money. Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.